I moved here, got a $700 Dyson vacuum. If I like take a selfie with it, I'll get a couple DMs. <laughs> like girls will just be like, nice Dyson, because she thinks I'm doing well. Yeah. I know you're DMing girls dice picks. <laughs> dice picks. <laughs> Welcome to Cleopatra. I'm Christy Bonna. And I'm Lynn Molly. And this is a podcast about two Middle Eastern comedy queens digging up the funny from the first generation experience. Our guest today was listed as a vulture comedian you should know in 2023. He just made his Tonight Show debut and he has a podcast called Cash Cuties out Wherever podcasts can be listened to, please welcome Fumi Abe. Yay! Yay. Hello, hello. Welcome, Fumi. Thank you for having me on the show. We're so excited to have you. You were in the middle of quite a... I mean, not that you haven't always been just on a hot streak, but... I feel like a lot of really wonderful and well-deserved <laughs> things happened for oh, you this nice. year. Thank so you. Yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah. I think I should be more grateful. I feel I've been doing it long enough or like too long where it's like these things happen. I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but what's next? You know what I mean? Like, I feel we don't take the time to be grateful. So celebrate your wins. I know you really have to. I feel. What this are you doing to do that? <laughs> what do you do to celebrate? Yeah. Well, I guess you can, we're going to make you re-listen to this podcast. Yeah, and well, first you get a cake. I don't know. I feel like it's more of a mental thing, but that's really, I feel that is the real battle in comedy as you surpass their X amount of years is like, can you stay sane and happy and enjoy these moments as you get, you know, have these little wins? Um, a therapist that I um, <laughs> later left at one point told me that you can't be achievement based in your goals because then you're never going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're not my therapist anymore. <laughs> so you fired her for that? Oh my God. No, I, that's not, there are other that's reasons. That's so funny. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been working on that with my therapist for like the last year and a half. We call it value based goals. Yeah, it's, I guess achievement. Like you can't, your goal can't be like, I want 100,000 followers or like, I want to do this thing on TV. It has to be like something you can control. So it's like, oh, I want to write an hour or like, I want to put out a video every day or something like that. Where's something you can control. But yep, comedy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is comedy. Um, well, we will probably get into your comedy career, but usually we'd like to start off with a history lesson about yeah. you. So some people like to start with their grandparents, some people, their parents, some with the day they were born. So yeah, let's rewind. I'm sort of like, I don't even know what to call myself. I guess I'm either zero generation or like 1.5 depending on how you count it but i moved here when i was eight so from, uh, from japan with my parents so oh, wow. i wasn't born here so yes. i feel like obviously i understand the immigrant experience but i think a lot of times when people say the immigrant experience they're like oftentimes children of those people yes um and that's where sort of a lot of the disconnect is which i have that too with my parents but i'm also i also remember growing up there and stuff so i feel like anytime anyone talks about the immigrant experience, I relate, but I, it's never like at a hundred percent because I also moved here from Japan. Right, you had an experience of growing up. So yeah. from Japan to here, where, where was the first place you moved? I moved to Ohio. I was, I was in Columbus, oh, wow. Ohio. That's a that's a big difference. Yeah, it seems random, but a lot of people don't know this. There's like a huge Japanese enclave in Columbus, Ohio, or just Ohio in general. I did not know that because there's a. Actually, I should re-say this. It's not a Japanese-American enclave. It's a Japanese expat enclave. So there's a Honda factory in central Ohio. So a lot of people come to work for Honda or like companies related to the automotive industry or whatever, which is which was what my dad was doing. So there's a ton of Japanese people in Ohio, which is so random. And I remember going to like the Japanese grocery store and stuff like that back in the day. And nobody knew what that was. I went back to Ohio last year and now it's like popping and full of white people. 
and wow. they're eating ramen and stuff. It's so weird. Like that's always been around, but to them, it's like this new thing they discovered in the last like three or four years. But that that's just been around since like 1998 or whenever. Ramen, just the concept of ramen oh, like in that, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, ramen. Like we had, they had stuff like that. You know, it's just nobody wanted to eat it 20 years ago. Um, it is a very bizarre white obsession with Japanese culture. Is that yeah odd? Um, I feel like we don't have that with Arab culture. I don't feel like people are like <laughs> making pilgrimages to Syria. I think, no, I bet there are. There's I, definitely fetishists, yeah, but I yeah. feel like it's a different brand when I think it comes to if Japan. you're like a, a white person who is obsessed with Arabic culture or whatever it is, it right off the bat, it sounds weird because... <laughs> This is not a, to throw shade on Middle Eastern culture, but there's not like a ton of soft power, right? Like no, there's food, obviously, but um, I think with Asian culture, it's a little bit easier because there's like video games or like K-pop or whatever. So you can like mask it in that and be like, oh, I'm not just trying to fuck your women. Like I, I like <laughs> right. I like BTS or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, but I think with like a lot of. Sounds yeah. like we need to start a like drop the podcast and start a video game. Yeah, sounds like that's yeah, what we yeah, got yeah, yeah, yeah. to soft For, power. Forget it is. the pyramids, yeah. okay? We're over it. All yeah. right, we need, we need a new app. I don't know. <laughs> soft launching, soft power coming this December. <laughs> <laughs> Two middle Eastern AKA. comedy. Yo, that's what y'all need. You need some soft power, man. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like some erectile uh, issue as well. <laughs> you what? You don't like soft power, babe? <laughs> okay. So so you grew up there. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a younger sister. She's a year and a half younger than me. Very, very different from me. It's so weird. Her whole life, her whole goal growing up was to get married and have kids. That was I just remember that from Wow. Yeah, she was like one of those girls who was just like wanted to get married one Also to high kind of an achievement based goal when you think about kind it. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And it's just interesting because she was engaged and then like that guy like cheated on her or something. She caught him on Tinder or something like that and wow. they like broke up. And then and then she found her husband like immediately after that. Now she has kids. So she did achieve it. So it's not a healthy goal, but if you achieve it, it feels good. Okay. You know? Okay, Uncle and Fumi. Yeah. But we were, we were pretty like we weren't very close growing up because she's only a year and a half younger than me. So she's only at one year below me school grade wise. And I feel... I don't know if you guys have siblings, but like when you're too close, it's like weird because she like dated a couple people in my grade and Ooh, stuff. Oh, any of your friends? They weren't like my friends in high school, but they, <laughs> after they, that, they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just remember like uh, she definitely had sex before I did for sure. Wow. And I think like that was weird because <laughs> I think you're always like as an older sibling, you're like shitting on your younger sibling. Right. But then when that happens, that's like the ultimate card, you know. Right. So you can't really. You can't Be bully her yeah, or pick on her. She's like, go to your room, virgin. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. That was a weird, like, change in <laughs> dynamics, power dynamics. Yeah. I mean, you got to be on late night before she did, so there is that. Yeah. Got her yeah. back. Yeah, but she really gives a shit about that now. That's <laughs> <laughs> a 32-year-old. <laughs> is your whole family still in Ohio? No. My family's story is so hard to explain. My parents live in Mexico now. Because my dad's job, he keeps working with like car companies and there's like a bunch of car companies in Mexico, which is so crazy, by the way. I visited them. I forget where they live. They live in some place called like Irapuato or something like that. It's like really dangerous. There's a lot wow. of gangs. I saw so many gangs when I was there. They dress like the police oh, to fool wow. you. But they have machine guns. It's so crazy. Mexico is so crazy. I know that all the white girls are going to like Tulum and shit. But like if you just go to regular Mexico, right. it is it is wild. They have a lot of maybe top three like cartel per capita vibes where they live but they live in like a gated community but because there's a lot of japanese companies car companies there they also opened up like their own little japanese grocery store there so i went down there wow. and there's like wow. a random japanese grocery store in the middle of mexico so it's interesting how like when immigrant communities move you know to wherever country they just kind of like make their own thing going on 
So where you were growing up, what was your high school like? Was it diverse? Was it very Japanese? Was it? No, my high school. So like there were a lot of Japanese people in Columbus, but the suburb that I lived in didn't have a lot of Japanese kids. And I think my parents put me there so I could learn English faster because there was this rumor that if you sent them to Dublin, which is like a, a better school district, but way more Japanese kids, that the Japanese kids just kind of like hung out with each other and they didn't really, they were speaking Japanese and they wouldn't pick up on English or whatever. So my high school was very like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a Disney original movie, but like that kind of vibe, you know, very mm. white, like the high school yep. football. One of everything. <laughs> yeah, like the, the <laughs> quarterback dates a cheerleader, like very yeah. stereotypical in that. So I was trying to like just survive in that kind of environment. I mean, it was like, it's the Midwest, so it was fine. There were definitely like a lot of weird microaggression moments. And I think that ultimately led me to wanting to do comedy or at least get approval from strangers, you know? I think being an immigrant already feels this like I'm an outsider thing. So you're like, oh, please like me. And then on top of that, if you go to a school like that, like I, th I think it's one thing if you grew up in like Queens, New York, or even LA, where you could argue that a lot of Asian culture is LA culture or a lot of Mexican culture right. is LA culture. You cannot have that argument in Ohio. You know, it's very much like bonfires and like football games and like yeah. s'mores and did like- you, Did you lean in and join the football team? No, I did play lacrosse for a little bit though. Okay, yeah. so you did lean I in. Did, I did, I did lean in. I carried around a football everywhere. Does that count? <laughs> well, I, I was so small, I couldn't play football, but I played lacrosse until I broke my arm and then my mom made me quit. So I did try. I had really fun moments, but I also had some like really dark moments for sure. But I, I was a kid, so I didn't really know that they were so dark until after. I don't know if you guys have that as adults where you just have like a random, I call it like the Ratatouille flashback, <laughs> like a racist Ratatouille flashback. Yeah, where you're 100%. like just doing yeah. something as an adult, as like a 34 year old person, and then you like brush your teeth or something. And then you're like, boom. And yeah, you exactly. Go, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, in high school, some of my friends had me in their phones as Masa Ching Chong or something. You know oh my I mean? God. Like, and you're like, all right, you're I like, guess what? I gotta go to oh work. <laughs> it's too late to say anything, so I guess I gotta go to work, you know? Like, yeah. So I've had stuff like that. We've, said this many times on this podcast but we grew up in very like white areas but she was like italian and i was latina so the racism <laughs> i got was against mexicans you wait, know? wait why oh you just said you're mexican i grew up no i mean like people just assumed i was mexican mm. and then had superimposed their own after, other racist sure, uh, sure. after 9 11 it was kind of a good idea to go into hiding for most of us <laughs> so is that why you go by molly um, no, I do that mostly because um, there's nothing worse than being brought on stage as this next comic. You love her. We all know her. It's Lynn Ma. Lynn yeah, yeah, Ma. Yeah, yeah. Lynn Ma. It's just like I feel like it discredits your whole set. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So got it, got it, got it. That got was got the it. main. Oh, see, impetus. yeah. Did you change your name for the whites? No. Oh. I mean, I've never overpronounced it. Like, if you really want to be Arab about it, it's Behna. But like, most people can't do ha, so they do the ha. And I would rather just. Keep it Bana rhymes with Ghana and <laughs> keep it moving. Yeah. I have a I have a theory that I think all these little adjustments we make to fit in ultimately hurts us in the future. I feel like I think it makes you not that I'm going to change. Like, I mean, like my friends call me Fumi, so it's fine. But like my full first name is Masafumi. Mm. And when I first started comedy, I just went by Masafumi. But it was just like it was impossible to like meet people and like they would never get it right. And I'm like, this is like so inconvenient. So I just started going by Fumi. But I wonder what Gen Z kids are doing now. You know, I bet they're leaning in. I know. Oh, yeah. 100%. Names, right? I've been thinking about doing that because technically my last name is Lynn L. Malay. It means like Lynn, son of Molly. But like 
obviously we dropped it because we were trying to hide. But I'm like, maybe I bring it back. Maybe I like get extra diverse and I get all the scholarships and the awards and the accolades. Schwarzenegger came to this country as Arnold Strong. And then eventually, so he went oh, he by did? Arnold Strong wow. for a while. Yeah, is that because it's hard to pronounce? Or yeah, because and then did, eventually okay. he went to back to Schwarzenegger. Arnold Strong suits him though. It really does. <laughs> I mean, people be forcing a rebrand, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, people drop the last name and they're like, "It's just this now." By the way, and you're like, "All right, if you say so." It's, yeah, it's funny when like I feel now. Uh, we feel more empowered to do that. So I have a lot of friends changing their names back to their like Asian, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But it is funny <laughs> to do that in your 30s because... Right. You're like, it's actually not Johnson anymore. It's Ibdel Rahim Rahman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. if you can't say it right, I'm not going on stage. Thank and you like, so much. I, it's, it's so weird because obviously like if you want to reclaim that I, I, as a progressive person, you want to support that. But it is like... It's so late, man. You know what I mean? Like, there is something about, like, you got to do that shit in your 20s. And I understand that's not that, it's not that easy. I don't know. Sometimes when, like, Gen Z kids, like, make fun of millennials, I'm like, you know, you guys talk about 9-11. Like, that shit, I'm 34. Like, that shit was real. That shit was so real for a lot of my brown friends, you know? And I feel Gen Z kids were born after that or something. So they don't, they don't fucking know, dude. You know, it's been too long. Did your parents (laughs) do the Americanized name thing? My mom tried to do it for a little bit. Her name's Moloch and she tried to go by Mickey. And I was like, mom, that's more foreign. (laughs) That's That's funny. Mickey? Being a mouse. Um, I don't know. So my dad's name is Memdoh. And so he would go by Manny. (laughs) Okay. He'd be like, hi, it's Manny. And then Discreet. sometimes my brother's name is Michael. And so he'd just say his name is Mike. So I'd be like, you even reduced the fake name to an easier <laughs> pronounced fake name. But people would, my mom's name is Hani Bana. And one time we made a reservation at Benny Hanna's and he called and he said, hello, Benny Hanna's. I'd like make a reservation for Hani Bana. And they hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> and then ever since then, he was like, all right, Mike, it is. Yeah, I've had that like... I've like called friends homes and they'll be like, oh, hey, like, hi. Like, this is when I'm like in fifth grade. I remember we used to call people's homes. <laughs> and yes. Like, hi, is like Jeff there? And they go, okay, can I, can I ask who's calling? I'll be like, oh, this is Fumi from school. And then they'll like hang up because they think I'm doing a prank or something, you know? Because this is when like Awesome Powers came <laughs> oh, out. And there was yeah. like, fuck me, fuck you kind of thing, oh. you know? So they thought I was like doing a prank because my name right. is like F U M I or whatever. So that happened. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take my calls. business elsewhere then. Yeah, yeah, fuck Jeff. Yeah. I missed the prank phone call. That was big in the day. Did you do any? I did oh. a lot of prank phone calling. I got in trouble, too, for it. You, you got in trouble? When caller ID came up, I don't, I don't think I fully knew You didn't do Star ID. 6 7? Uh, you know, I was young and free, and um, if Brian <laughs> K is listening to this, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I did prank phone calls, yeah. but I... Had no regret, no regrets about them. <laughs> you do it at like sleepovers, you know. Yeah, Nobody's yeah, doing yeah. it at their house alone. That's like psycho. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a solo activity. Maybe sometimes, for you. <laughs> maybe sometimes you just had an idea and nobody was around, and you have to do it. That's the roots of stand-up <laughs> to comedy. Me, to me, that is the same as tr- running a set alone in your room or something. It's like I feel you can't do comedy without an audience. Do you You've never, never run, run a sets? set alone in your room? Never. This is controversial. This what? is wild. Never. So how do you like even before the late night set? You didn't run. Oh, it? for that, I'll like. But it's like muscle memory. Like you're like practicing. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can run a set alone in your in your room for uh, muscle memory to make sure you got the transitions. And you just in your hmm, that's weird. That's in your weird. room, yeah. you have so much time. Between, you can just do it in the bathroom, the venue, or something. 
You do it in the bathroom of a I, venue? I, well, first of all, I never do that. I, the only time I've done that is, not the bathroom, but just to run my set is probably before late night. I'll just, I ask for five minutes and I just say it to myself in the green room or whatever. But like, yeah. usually I've never, no. Oh, I'll run it. If it's like a big show or something, I'll run it multiple times. Really? Yeah, the first time I did the comedy store, I was so nervous that I was, <gasps> I was like, I'm going to run my entire set in a mirror with a hairbrush and had like a timer running so that I wouldn't run the light. Oh my you also God. have to remember that I was a lawyer. So I was all about like, I will not run this light by one oh, fucking second. Yeah. You practice how you play. That's so interesting. <laughs> See, I feel like. But obviously, yeah, you need like well, a my, real audience. My theory, and I think I'm wrong and it's hurting me, but I feel if you run it, it kills the freshness. Mm. And so I don't like to Too do much, it. Yeah. And even as I'm like running my late night set at different shows, after I think I got it, I'll still ask for spots, but I don't do those jokes anymore because I want to say them for the first time right. because I want to also think it's funny. So I feel like running it kills the vibe. I agree that you can definitely overrun something and I tend to over prepare. I also think there's something to be said for the fact that you started in New York where you can get up so much more than we can here in L.A. Mm. So I wonder if maybe part of this is because we've started in L.A. that sometimes like our I mean, living room is the place i mean i think like having practicing and like preparing that's a very like immigrant thing i feel like <laughs> over preparing yes but the weird thing about stand-up is that again it, it can kill the freshness and so you have to be like oh i'm not allowed to practice this as much you know and so like right. that's what's been interesting is like you have to almost go against what you want to do because this isn't like a job interview right um, and it's the art of being able to be spontaneous and in the yes, moment yes you have to practice being in the moment and to do that you cannot prepare you have to not prepare a bunch of times you know i have a question yeah. on late night if you like stumble on a word which like rarely happens, like I feel like, but every once in a while you do a stand-up set and you stumble on a word. It just, that goes on TV. If you really stumble and then you start again, I feel probably cut it. Like, okay. A lot of times if you're watching late night sets and you see a cut to the audience, they cut something. Oh. A lot of times. If you don't see any cuts, nothing, they were, it was fine. It means you're perfect and you won comedy. I mean, they <laughs> might. <laughs> yeah, you win comedy yeah. and then you get $500. Um, <laughs> That's it. Plan your future. <laughs> I saw something crazy. When I was working at Corden, Sam Morell came in to do a late night set and I saw the most like professional gangster shit. He was like doing his five minutes and his premise on his last joke was so funny. People like wouldn't stop laughing and it the laughter stepped on his punchline of that joke. And so you couldn't hear it. And then he recognized that. So he does the joke. And then he looks at the camera and goes, hey, I'm sorry, can I take that again? And then he just does that line again, wow. gets a laugh. And then so it's easier for the editor to just cut yeah. to, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, because he's done it so many times. That's amazing. And I'm like, wow, if I, that, if that happened to me, I would panic and be like, goodbye forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put on a or wig. Like, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I would just never be calm enough to be like, oh, wait, this is edited. So I can just be like, oh, I'm sorry, can I do that again? Like, you know, even your segment as a stand up, is as editable as James's monologue, right? Like right. everything is editable. And uh, just the, the way he was composed, I was like, that is some, that's experience. Like that, you cannot fake that, you know? That's amazing. I was, I was very impressed by that. An amazing yeah. story that will never see the light of day because I edited it out. <laughs> everything is editable. Uh, but that's okay. So you were in Ohio and then when did you leave? What did you, did you go immediately to New York? I was there from 8 to 18 and then I moved to New York for college. I went to NYU. Great. 
and then I was in New York from 18 to 31. I was basically, I grew up in New York wow. pretty much. Wow. I, don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say I'm a New Yorker, you but I, I feel like I am. Yeah, I mean, absolutely I, are. Yeah, my entire 20s. What then, was uh, your major in school? Oh my gosh, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in, like, before I got into comedy, I was, like, really into music. I was in, like, all the music classes. I played multiple instruments. But I never had the confidence to become, like, a professional musician, nor did, did I think I wanted that lifestyle. So I found this major at NYU called Music Business, which is a total scam. There's there's a lot of music colleges. Music Business? It's a total scam. A lot of colleges have these weird majors that, like, kind of lure in students. Right. Emerson College, where I went now, has a comedy major. So yeah, it's all scam, right? <laughs> yeah. um, because it's so funny, because when I graduated, I was like, oh, I want to work for, like, Spotify. And they're like, econ majors only. And I was like, I should have just studied econ. This is <laughs> right. so dumb. Anyway, so I did that. Also, because you didn't have to take SAT2s for whatever reason for that major. And I was like, sick. Like, I was, <laughs> I was like a bad student. I was like, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't like studying. So, But the whole point of NYU is that you're just in New York. So, like, right. I, I turned out fine. I ended up working in advertising for a long time after that. So, it was fine. What was your turning moment for stand-up? When did you get into that? And how did that happen? Um, going back to... I'm very stubborn. I'm not very smart. And <laughs> I don't like to work. I don't, it's, you know, I just... Uh, I always had a problem. If I didn't give a shit, I didn't like... I don't want to do it. I think my parents saw that as like bad behavior, mm. but that it is bad immigrant behavior for sure. It is, yeah. <laughs> but really, it's it's long long term wise, it's good Absolutely. because you are being honest with yourself. And I think I worked in advertising for a couple of years, and then I was like, "Wait, is this life?" Like I was like twenty four. I think I was making like sixty thousand dollars a year, and I was like, "Oh, this is like a lot of money for someone who's young." This is like I don't know, back in twenty twelve, so back when that was like a respectable salary. Yeah. Now you can't do anything right. with that kind of money. But I was like, oh, cool. Like, so you, we go to work and then we like go to happy hour and then we like try to get chicks. Like, is that all of like, we just do this every day. And I think yeah. for the is first couple there years. Is? Yeah. And then like what, we just go on vacation. We post about it on Instagram and like that really started to like depress me. Even though it's so funny because I'm talking about it as if I was a corporate man for like years. I, I was doing corporate for like two years and I was like, this is, this is, I'm not want to do this. I don't want to ever do this. And I saw my dad do it. My dad's been working at the same company for like, since he was 22. He's wow. never quit this company. And so he's like a company man. And I just never wanted to be like him. And so I was like, I have to do something. And then at the time I was like, maybe I should go back to grad school and do something else. Or maybe I should move to like a different country. And then I was like at this bar in the Lower East Side called Three of Cups, which I don't think exists anymore. It's now an Emmy Square Pizza, Detroit style pizza place. <laughs> they had an open mic there. And like I just I didn't know that. So I was just like at this bar with my friends and an open mic night started happening around us. And it, and it, and it ruined our evening. <laughs> because, As it always does. Because it, it was so, to you. so bad. It was I remember it was so racist. Oh. I remember some guy <laughs> doing crowd work on me. Because there was like, no, there's only, New York open mics, there's only comedians. Right. And then like random people who didn't know an open mic was happening. And then some guy like referred to me as Nintendo face. And I was like, what Strange. the fuck? <laughs> and now you're I, mean, I laughed. I was like, that, okay, sure. Like whatever. But it was like so sexist, so racist, so, so bad. It was just so fucking bad. And at the time I'd been just like writing down like weird ideas in my notebook app. And I was like, oh, like, I didn't know you could do stand up. I always liked comedy. Yeah. I just didn't know you could do it so easily. Right. But so the I, barrier to entry was so low. It was so yeah. low. It was inappropriately I low. didn't realize how low it was until I started. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, it's problematic how low it is. Like anyone, there were so many people who I'm like, oh, this guy's going to shoot this play else, like after this mic. But right? that's this what's is also great. so magical about it. That like <laughs> the, it's. The potential shooters. <laughs> yeah, the potential yeah. shooters. It's magic. It's how I get but, my thrills. But it's like the, it's like the even playing field. <laughs> 
anyone can start. Like, it doesn't matter, like, how much money you have or you. That's true. Can... You don't have to, like, pay to take an improv yeah, class or yeah. something. That's true. So I went back the next week and then I prepared five minutes and I did it. And I just. At the same mic? At the same wow. place. Because I, because I didn't know where else to go. Yeah. I didn't, at the time, there were, like, websites. Did you run your set before those five minutes or how did how did you feel doing your first open mic? I think I, yeah, I think I did run it. Yeah. I, I remember taking a shot and I did it. It was five minutes. I only got two laughs, but it was like enough that I was hooked. Wow. And then I just never stopped going after that. But I really didn't think about it as a career or anything. I never, it, I didn't even know comedy was like stand-up was a thing until the week prior, right? So a lot of people, <laughs> you know, they'll like go to NYU and study like comedic writing or whatever. Yeah. They're like, I want to be a TV writer. I want to be, you know, I think a lot of people do have those aspirations. I had zero I was I just like, oh, this is fun. I think that's pretty common for the, you know, immigrant experience because our parents didn't grow up watching stand-up comedy. I had I I remember when I started, people were like, Do you like Bill Burr? And I was like, What's that? I've never <laughs> heard of one. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even really like I knew who Jerry Seinfeld was, but I thought he sucked. I remember I remember that was my whole thing. My I was I would I would watch his stand up and be like, This sucks. And then but then I realized everybody's just copying him. You know, yeah. but there's like better versions of him. Were you now. watching older Seinfeld? Newer well, he doesn't have any new stuff at, at the time. He didn't have any. This is like 2014. Like, okay. I'm just watching whatever's on YouTube. Oh, I see. Yeah. I was just like, this guy is so hack. I just remember thinking that. And then, and then you start doing comedy. You're like, oh, everybody's just copying. Right. He's like the it's Play-Doh. It's because everyone was trying to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, exact yeah. same. The yeah. I, was, I, I like really wasn't into the comedy world at all. Although I did watch a lot of stand-up growing up, but it, I was watching a lot of Def Jam. I remember that. Yeah, Def Jam. I feel like, yeah, anything that was on network. Yeah. Wait, but where'd you guys grow up again? I grew up in New Jersey outside the city. Oh, New My Jersey. parents worked in Los New York. Angeles, California. Okay, but see, if you grew up in LA, I feel like you do know that entertainment is a thing. Because I think when you grew up in the suburbs, the problem is none of your friends' parents are TV writers or whatever. So right. you, don't, you don't even I know I knew entertainment that was a thing. I just didn't think I was eligible for it because mm. I wasn't mm -hmm. like a pretty thin white woman or a man. I, I, I didn't see a place for myself. Like I was looking at white men. You and were I, having those thoughts as a young person? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Really? 100%. You guys are so smart. I didn't I even did think about that. I did speech and debate uh, growing up, not to brag. And um, <laughs> Go off, okay. And uh, I remember there was, I did dramatic interpretation and there was a comedic interpretation and I specifically remember being like, oh, comedic interpretation is for the boys. And only the boys did comedic. I didn't even like think that I had like... The women could be funny. Yeah, yeah I didn't even think so, which is so devastating. Wait, but the, were, didn't you have friends in high school who were like, women who were like so funny i knew women could be funny i just i saw like a distinct line in between like what an industry you know i thought like it was only a very specific you know lucille ball or like very few exceptions could do it and then mm. but the default was male sure also at the time you don't even know there's so many levels to right. stand up i remember there was a comedy club at the mall i used to go to called funny bone and i i would see the posters when i was in like high school and there was a guy named like Christopher Titus or something. And I was yeah, like, Chris Titus. I was like, who He's the fuck around. is? I know, I know him now. Oh. But at the time, I'm like, <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, I, I remember laughing, be like, if you're not like Chris Rock, like, why would you do this? Like, who would, who would come see Christopher? Titus? I legit thought that wow. because I'm like, why would anyone go see anyone famous? Like, that's so weird to me. Yeah. Because to me, it was like, you're Dave Chappelle, you're nothing, right? So because I'm just looking at comedians on TV and stuff. Mm. So like, yeah, I mean, I knew stand up was a thing. But I had no idea, like, you could do it on a level that's not astronomical. Like, you don't have to be Kevin Hart yeah. to do it or make a living and all that stuff. So there's a lot of things, I think, like, working against immigrants in that way. Even if you're interested, you're just like, oh, well, you can't. That job's not available for me mm -hmm. um, because there's only one job. And that's 
taken by Jerry Seinfeld or whatever, you know? Right. And how was um, telling your parents that stand-up was what you were doing in a path? I didn't tell them for a long time. My parents know I, I never listened to them. I don't know if you guys had this realization. <laughs> I remember my mom had cancer when I was in middle school. I had to go to the doctors with her and, like, translate everything. Mm. So you have to, like, kind of grow up faster. And at a certain point, when you turn, like, 16, I think you have to stop. You're, like... Oh, I'm more, I'm like smarter than my parents streetwise in America. Like they don't, they cannot help me. They don't know anything about American college applications. They don't know that like extracurricular activities matter. They don't know what National Honor Society is. Mm-hmm. You have to really look out for yourself. And so I stopped listening to my parents in like a respectful way right. after I turned like 15. Wow. And that was like a huge point of contention. They like couldn't believe that I wouldn't listen to them. But I'm like, well, I'm not going to listen to you because you don't know what you're talking about here. Right. If we were in Japan yeah. and I asked you how to do something, I would listen to you. But like, wow. that's just the truth, you know? And that sounds super arrogant, but I think a lot of immigrant kids go through that. Yeah, that's a huge yeah. thing. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if smarter is the word, but you're just like, they just don't know. Yeah. And so you have to look for that information either on the internet, through yourself or your other connections, your friends, parents or right. whatever. There's elements um, of strategy about that they wouldn't necessarily yes. appreciate it without. Yes. Yeah. So when I started comedy and they eventually found out like, they were like, oh, you're going to quit your job? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. But like, they didn't really ask a lot of questions. I think for a while they were like, well, as long as you like keep working in advertising, like we don't care, you know. And then they didn't, I don't even think they knew when I quit full time. I, I went full time comedy like right when COVID started, mm. weirdly. Oof. But I don't even think they really knew. I don't even think when I got my first writing job at Corden, I didn't think, I think they thought it was like a three week thing. I don't think they knew I was there for like multiple years. <laughs> you told them it was summer camp? I just, I don't think they know how it works. Yeah. I think they thought like, oh, you like wrote this one thing that's on YouTube and now it's done, mm. you know? Um, I feel like that's the hardest thing for me with my immigrant parents. It's that these wins that are so huge for me don't translate to them because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got I'm working in a TV writer's room. Yeah. And they're like, but only for three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, you yeah, want yeah, yeah. a long term job? And I'm like, no, this is I've been spending my entire career working up to working <laughs> in this TV writer's room. And they're like, but it's only a three month. Job. And it's so <laughs> devastating. Oh, for sure. But it's weird, too, because as you get older, you're like, I guess they're kind of right. It is only three months. Like, yeah. Did I just work my entire 20s <laughs> yeah. so I can work for three months? Yeah. Like, it, you know, you have to consider all these things. Yeah, I think like not being able to share your wins is like tough. You know, my parents were actually here last weekend when I did Fallon. And mm. I, I I didn't want to do that weekend because they were going to be in town. But they're like, well, we want to put you in before Christmas. And that's the only th-. And I'm like, wow. well, I can't say no. Well, that's kind of so, nice. So that for they were one day, for- I left L.A. when they were already here. I just left them with my girlfriend and I went to New York to do Fallon. I came back immediately. Oh, wow. so they didn't go see you do Fallon? No, and they were like, what show are you doing? And I go, tonight's show. And they go, it doesn't ring a bell. Wow. <laughs> oh, it stings. It's, it's too just, real. It's I mean, only it's the just, Everest Well, because they just don't all. watch American right. TV. They're always watching like Korean dramas or whatever on YouTube. or You know what I mean? Wow. Like they're not, they're not interested in that, which I totally get. Um, so like not being able to like communicate to them how big of a deal something is, is i mean i i don't really care anymore but i i could see how that could be hurtful for someone uh where you know they seek a lot of validation from their parents right you know? it sounds like you kind of ditched the validation seeking a while ago yeah but i also them. think i i think it's like um i don't know I, I think it's like a weakness to be honest with you i think i actually envy those who have like a much closer relationship with their parents and i, I envy those who fight with their parents more because to me, that means they care. Even if they care in the wrong way, they're like thinking about you a lot. I think with my family, like, you know, I was just in Japan a couple, like a month ago. 
And they don't even like my extended family. Like nobody asks me about comedy, and I'm like, I'm right. always so flabbergasted because I'm like, I'm the most interesting person at this table <laughs> yeah, right now. You're like, yeah. I'm, I'm literally the home. most interesting <laughs> yeah. person, and they don't really ask me. They're like, oh, how's how are things going? They don't ask me any specific. So I don't feel. I don't know if it's if it's because they're like, oh, we won't understand. It's strange, but also like kind of hurtful in a yeah, way. Yeah, to not know? have them have a genuine curiosity yeah, about what but then what sometimes it is. I'm like, maybe I did that because I just didn't listen to them or like they knew that their mm. feedback would affect my life in zero ways, you know? I feel like my mom will brag more to relatives that I can like cook kanafe. It's like a famous Hilarious. And they'll like brag about anything I've done career-wise yeah. ever. They kind of talk about it like as if it's herpes or something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's this shameful <laughs> thing. The last time I went home, my boyfriend was like, you know what? This might be on you. Like maybe you're not selling it enough. So he turns on Netflix because I worked on a Netflix show starring Michelle Obama and they made me like a little extra. Oh, the mochi in it. one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was great. So there's like a scene where I'm like dancing behind Michelle Obama and my boyfriend was like, look, that's Lynn standing next to Michelle Obama. And my parents were like, that was it? That was so fast. That was it? <laughs> when are you going to be the star? He was like, okay, you win. Sometimes it's nice to bring your significant others home because they're like, no, that's real. Your feelings are valid. <laughs> that was a weird response. Yeah, I'm surprised they weren't like, why are you dancing behind her? Like, why don't you ask her questions or something? <laughs> like, like, you could have asked her about the most hard-hitting things and you just yeah. did. You're like, mom, there's a script. Uh, could have taken I a picture, yeah. but you're dancing? Yeah, it is funny. Like, as I get older, like, I do see the way they see things and it is, it is, I find, I just find it funny now. When I did Fallon, two of my friends who work there, they came into the green room to say hi, they're both writers, they're both immigrants, one's from Russia. I told them the story about how my parents didn't know who Jimmy Fallon was and then they shared with me about their experiences telling their parents they work for The Tonight Show and one of their moms was like, yeah, I, I checked that out on Hulu. Um, not my thing. <laughs> not my thing. And then the other one was like, you know what? I, I've never seen it, but maybe it, maybe I'll check it out or something. You know, like it never occurred to them to watch the show that their son works on. I, but I also, yeah, I don't know. Because I never became a lawyer like you did. I don't know what that full approval facial expression looks like from my parents. Like, you've probably experienced it. I have, yeah. I'm very lucky out. in that. I, I mean, I've been a little bit more quiet, obviously, in the last two minutes because my parents have, like, expressed they were proud of me. My dad boo. passed away. <laughs> Fucking boo. <laughs> <laughs> New co-host of the podcast. Welcome. I'll see myself out. Um, but I do have to still translate to them. I mean, okay, also my dad, my dad passed away, so I'm really just talking about my mom at this point, but... Translate to them, like, why I keep needing to go to open mics. You know, I'll be like, I'm doing another open mic. She's like, oh, another one? They're <laughs> 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 like, yeah, you kind of had the key. You know, so there still is, like, a loss in translation where you have to explain what the art form is. But they've never been like, oh, this is such a waste of your potential. Like, I feel like my dad was into it. Like, I, I had, like, a really lucky opportunity to be like a small part in a Disney movie like once I started and yeah. my dad was like really excited about that yeah. and he was like okay Christy when we're gonna see you on Disney plus again you know like <laughs> he was like a lot more excited about that and he came and saw me at the Hollywood Improv which was really oh, fun oh that's so yeah. nice yeah, yeah see and that's the thing is like I feel 
obviously not every immigrant parent is cold like that you know what i mean right. like there's a lot I have, I have a lot of immigrant you know the ones who are very successful are the ones who have very successful parents <laughs> i think if the, from the ones i've met you know the ones that their parents are like yeah go ahead do improv in high school like those people are like yeah. selling shows and stuff now <laughs> i will say when i very like in december of 2019 i told my mom like at some point i really think i'm going to have to like go for it stand up it feels like something i really need to do before i die on my deathbed and my mom was like, all I ask is that you do not curse. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll talk, mom. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. The, oh, my God. I do tend to drop a lot of F-bombs, unfortunately. But when you said uh, your mom said you're doing another one, that made me think of like, you know, DJ Khaled's. Yeah. Quote is, uh, not, maybe <laughs> that one. was like a thing that his mom would say in a negative way, like, you're writing another song? Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just reclaiming it. Yeah, like, exactly. like, another like, one. Yeah, another one. <laughs> Comma, but it's really his mom being like, fuck, our son's <laughs> rapping again. Like, <laughs> I thought you already rapped. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Get married now. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? I think now is a good time to pivot to some questions. Cleopatra viewed herself as a living goddess. Tell us about a time you felt supernatural or godlike. Alternatively, tell us about a weird, random, or useless talent you have. You know, I, I was reading this question, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what an unrelatable, <laughs> unrelatable <laughs> question for me because I never feel like a queen or a king. Do you guys? I just feel like that's my whole thing. I feel like that it's like I wake right. up in the morning and I'm like you're a piece of shit. And then I start right. my day, you know? I, for the record, I answered the weird useless talent question for that exact reason. It's I, like, was like, I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, outside of comedy, even. I guess the only time I felt like very powerful is like, if you go do a show in a city where there's not a comedy scene, you feel like Chris Rock, you know what right. I mean? Like, like I did a show in Ohio once and I was like, I'm God. I'm, because, <laughs> because I trained in New York and LA. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's not because I'm better than you, just because I just yeah. did it more than you, you know? Maybe in a weird way, maybe that is why I do comedy, just to like feel more than for once, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I read this question, I was even thinking about, I'm like, you know, like I'm constantly having an existential crisis about my existence because I'm like, I'll order a drink at a bar and if like the bartender takes too long and I'm like, God, they don't even fucking see me, man. You know what I mean? Like, I'll wow. just have a meltdown, you know? <laughs> even if, it, if it's like a busy bar on a Friday, I'm like, fuck, dude, they don't even fucking see me, bro. Like, you know, so I feel very much like a like a peasant all the time. But that's, I thrive in that. I, th I thrive in peasant energy, you know? I always think about, did you watch that movie? It was about improv. It had Chris Gethard in it. And it was called, I think, Don't Think Twice. Yes. yes. Yeah, yes. you know that Mike moment Rebiglia. where he's like, when I go to the grocery store, like, I'm just an average guy. But then, like, I know in the back of my head, I have this superpower that I do every night. And if I didn't have that, then I would just be another guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being another guy. And I don't, I, I mean, again, I'm not trying to sound arrogant. I, I don't necessarily think it makes me special that I do this fucking stupid thing called comedy. But, like, in a weird way, yeah, I just feel so powerless during the day, I guess, you know. Mm. Um, but I, again, I thrive in that. I love when people underestimate me and then I'm like, psych, I'm famous. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not famous, but like, yeah. you know, I, mean, I feel like you're not, I, not famous, but I feel like I really get off on that in like a sick way when yeah. I, I want, I, when I like, if I go to like a, 
comedy club or something in a city that I'm not from or something and they just treat me like garbage because they think I'm like an open micer or something and right. then they crush and then, then, then they just they treat you completely yeah, differently yeah and then they hear your credits and then yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. But it's like yeah yeah I mean I try to treat people everybody everybody equally you know with right. respect but I like, treat everyone equally shittily <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah that's kind of like what ends up happening where you don't feel seen did you feel like you weren't super seen growing up by your parents or just by the people around you in your community or where does that feeling come from? I think it's like a combination of growing up looking like this in like a town that looked like an Abercrombie bag, right? Mm, like that yeah. was the beauty standard. Yeah. So like, I think a lot of it does come back to beauty stuff. I, I think it does matter. I think it's very important for everyone alive to feel attractive. Um, I thought you were going to say to be attractive. No, no, no. <laughs> to, like, no, no, no. That's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to. Be, I'm not attractive, but it's very important to feel attractive, right? Well, I, think I disagree. The, You're a very handsome man, <laughs> yeah. first of all. I, I, it's like, but that's, and I'm not even talking about it's because you can hook up. It's it's really just a confidence thing. And if you're, yeah. if you're void of that in high school, middle school, you turn out a little fucked up as an adult. And I feel you have to spend some time trying to get that validation somewhere somehow yeah and yeah i mean i think even just standing at the bar can't get the bartender's attention it's like right. oh is it because i'm short is it because i'm asian or is it because like i'm not hot enough is it yeah. like do i not have like do i not emanate some sort of like energy like i don't know i'm just like i'm always so afraid that i have like a really weak presence like in life not on stage but in life you know like when i walk into a room like do people even notice you know yeah um so i think it all just comes from in high school and not necessarily pe people not really understanding like what i am you know it's so hard to not have an experience and then not try to immediately shoehorn it into the narrative of your life where you're like, this always happens to me. Never. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, not yeah, paying yeah, attention yeah, yeah. to me at the bar because I'm the least attractive person. Yeah. Pretty girl always brings an ugly friend, you know? <laughs> it is um, interesting, though, to hear this because my boyfriend's like a standard white man. Yeah. And he says he... <laughs> nice. I'm so safe in this world now. He says he goes through life and the one thing that is both a privilege and weird is that he's just invisible everywhere he goes. He's like, I can be anywhere at any time and no one's ever looking at me. I'm always safe. No one's ever oh, going to stop me. And I feel like everywhere I go as a female who's like slightly different looking, I feel like everyone's looking at me all the mm. time. Like I can't go anywhere without like the proverbial like keys in between your fingers yeah. mentality. Sure. Yeah. I wonder if that how I mean, I think a lot of that is because you're a woman for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's certain places yeah. you cannot go to. That's interesting that he feels invisible. To me, what I hear... He also is gets raises without asking, so there is that, too. <laughs> I think he's not invisible. I think he's invincible. That's what I'm hearing. Right, yeah. I feel like... I think real invisibility... Invisible to the police, probably, is what he meant to say. <laughs> yeah, in, real invisibility is people sort of not taking you seriously or not seeing you as, like, a threat. They're not... Or a force They're to not be seeing you as a yeah. threat because they disrespect you, right. right? I think if you're, like, a white guy in a white area... You don't, you're not a threat because they respect you. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm a straight guy. I'm so sorry to quote the Joe Rogan podcast, but there was a really <laughs> incredible episode with this artist named David Cho. He's like this crazy Korean artist guy. Okay. 
I'm not saying I agree with everything he has said or done, but he is an interesting person to listen to talk to for a little bit. And he was talking I'm about edit how... edit that part out. Go ahead. <laughs> but he was just saying, like, how being Asian in this country, you are truly invisible. And what that means is, like, mm. he, and he wanted to use that to his advantage. So what that means is he could just go anywhere in the country. He could go to the most racist place in the country. And the way racism works against Asians is not they're not going to kill you. They're just gonna mm. ignore you. Wow. You're not gonna, you know what I mean. And so he became a jewel thief. <laughs> he just sort of like traveled all over. He what? hitchhiked and just did all these things. And because no one saw him as wow. a threat, and I, to me, that's what people mean when they say invisible is they don't recognize you because out of disrespect. It's not right. out of respect, yes. right? Anyway, so your boyfriend's wrong. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he recognizes it as a privilege, but it is like yeah. very um, interesting to just like imagine that. Okay, so Cleopatra wasn't actually Egyptian. She was Grecian, and she, Whoa. yeah, Macedonian wild, right? Grecian Whoa. roots. Yes. Yeah, but Liar. she you believe? went to Egypt and she adopted a lot of the customs. So, what's a custom you've adopted from America mm. that you are just really deep in with? Or alternatively, what's a cultural thing from Japan that you can't shed? I don't know if it's an American thing or a New York thing, but I really learned to like just kind of speak my mind. I also talk shit aloud in front of the other person sometimes. <laughs> I think that's like a New York that's thing. That's a comedian thing too. Th th but that's, it's not like, it wouldn't be me talking shit to you. It's mm. like if a waitress dis did something weird to my friend, I'd be like, I can't if she's just X Y Z. Like you know what I mean. Like I'll just I'll I'll like make fun of her to my friend when she's right there. I'll do stuff like wow. that. Like if somebody's rude to me, I I'll laugh that. and make a joke. I'll just start. It's it's almost like I just do a bit about this person with an audience, with, <laughs> and I ignore the fact that okay. you know what I mean. Like yeah, I'll, that does feel New York. It's very. It's just like do you disrespect me? So I'm gonna now do a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna launch into a bit. So yeah, that's like a thing that I do, and I think it throws off a lot of Japanese people when I do stuff like that because over there it's very. It's all about not disrespecting. And I, but I do think, you know, I cannot say this is a right thing, a right way to approach life, but you kind of get what you want if you kind of are rude sometimes, you know? And I tried to pick up on that more because I think for a long time I was like, oh, well, the, the whole Japanese way is like, don't get in other people's way, don't be right. rude. But I did that for a long time and I never got a raise, I never got anything I wanted. And I was like, this is so dumb. I'm just gonna be a dick sometimes. Right. Not all the time, but sometimes. Or just that, advocate for yourself. Do we like? I feel like we equate that with being a dick. Unless you're saying you want to go extra. And well, because be, I think a lot of times when you do advocate yourself, you come off as a dick, and so I can't really control how you see me. You know, um, because I think when they see me or someone like you guys, they're like, "Oh, why is she speaking up?" Like, you know, they do think that being rude is something. It's an American thing that I've I've started to do. I've started to do. Mm. I don't like it. I wish the world wasn't like that, but it is the way it is. So. I feel like maybe in Japan it wouldn't be as powerful to be rude that like you have to do it here to maybe i don't know i feel like there's a lot of discussions in japan right now about you know there used to be like this booming economy and like a lot of innovation but the problem now is like those people who were the shit in the 80s they're all ceos now and they're all about hierarchy mm -hmm. and so they're still the decision makers like we don't have like a mark zuckerberg we don't have like a young mind disruptor because they're not allowed to do that mm. right because of the way that it, companies are structured like you're not really allowed to speak your mind if you're 25 even if you went to like the best university and you have a lot of great ideas and i think that hurts you so i feel like they could benefit from mm -hmm. a couple of rogue 25 year olds who are a little disrespectful you know right but that said maybe it doesn't work in that world because then people might not want to do business with you or something like right. that but in america you 
Well, the you problem know. in America is everyone thinks they're that rogue 25-year-old. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm the edgy guy on the comedy show to this lineup. And they yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. their role. Yes, and you're like, yes. oh, there were five edgy white guys on the show already. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, so, yeah, I think in, in small doses, that's that's good. And I, and I think in terms of cultures that I've kept, I, I'm not a big hugger. I don't... Mm. I actually think it's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Now, it, it, there's all these conversations about like, oh, he hugs weird, or like Joe Biden smelled my hair, or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> we be bowing in Japan, okay? Yeah, there's, we there's be like, ABB, three feet. always be bowing. <laughs> we be bowing, and no one's ever complained that yeah. I bowed to a woman. It's actually very respectful. They like it, you know. Are you still so, bowing? I bowed to Jimmy Fallon accidentally. <laughs> if you watch my tape, well, I didn't like do this. Like, right. I didn't like get on my knees and do like right. a do the samurai bow. But like, when I, sometimes when I shake people's hand, I will just be like. You know, I, I do, do bow as well. Uh, and I also do the thing where you put your hand over their hand when you shake. Oh, like I'm, a, like wow. I'm a, trying to run for office. <laughs> yeah, apparently. yeah, that's like, some like presidential shit. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I, it's because, yeah, uh, sorry about in the beginning when I, I saw you and I gave you a hug. Sorry, I should have Oh, that's asked. okay. I, I, if they give me a hug, I, I don't have a problem with it. Okay. But can, I don't really assume You don't want to yeah. be the initiator. I'm going to start gently curtsying from <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the next question. Sure. Uh, Cleopatra was the queen of luxury. What's an item or a thing that you do not skimp out on? Like something you will be Ooh. bougie about? Ooh. Any electronics I will oh, not cheap out okay. on because I grew up where my dad always bought the cheap vacuum or whatever and it would always break. Mm-hmm. And we get another one. And so I just go for the top. I just, I moved here, got a $700 Dyson vacuum. I don't nice. give a fuck. Ooh, the, the cordless? Cordless. Oh yeah, I got He's that. He's just dropping Computers? pennies on the carpet out of pasta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, watch this. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, it's so funny. The Dyson is such a iconic thing. If I like, Take a selfie with it. Like I'll get a couple DMs. <laughs> like girls will just be like, "Nice Dyson." He's and a Dyson like, man. Because she thinks I'm doing well. You know, wow. it's like I a, know you're DMing girls dice picks. <laughs> dice picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't care about my dick, but it's really just like check out this v, the animal V11. Dice picks are always welcome. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Like any computers, I'll just get the best one because it lasts me a while. Yeah. Phones, same thing. I don't. I, I know it's a lot of investment up top, but it is. It's worth it. It always lasts you like a year or two longer. And you're happy with it. As I get older, yes, I want to save money, but I'm also like all about the emotionality of investments and, and buying things. And like, you need to feel good. I feel so cool with my Prius, man. You know? Cause I, but like, <laughs> I like efficiency. When I see that 60 miles per gallon, I fucking get a boner. Like, I yeah. love, but that's what gets me up. But some people really like a sports car. Cleopatra was a known seductress. What's the best pickup line or meet cute you've ever experienced? My best pickup line, and this is actually a, sad reflection of reality because dudes are so shitty to women and their bar is so low i'm in an open relationship so sometimes like you know i'll meet somebody and then but i always tell them before because it's kind of all about that when i'm honest and i say hey i, I really like you like i'm vibing here but like i want you know like i have a partner um we're in like an open thing and these are some of the rules but i'd love to keep hanging out so many times they'll like shake my hand <laughs> they'll be like thank you so much for being honest and then they'll either fuck me or they'll be like hey sorry that's not my thing but thank you so much like they're just so happy that i was just like yeah. didn't lie yeah. to them so and it's then just, you'll bow yeah and i bow yeah yeah <laughs> and it's just it was such a funny i didn't even really start this until my 30s but it was like a funny realization that this whole time you just have to like <laughs> tell them the truth that's kind of it yeah just be nice and honest just like yeah yeah don't lie a really complicated recipe, <laughs> but like go off king and wear a boa and a top hat and trick them, you know? 
Remember that whole thing where you're like, you gotta neg. You gotta insult oh, the women. Did you guys experience that? Because I like oh, all oh, the time. Yeah. I was around when that book came yeah. out. I didn't read it. I, was, I wasn't born yet, but uh, <laughs> it was like ten years ago. <laughs> Literally, my but like, did you did you think that you think that book really affected? Yeah, the way people were talking to him? And I've also called people out who were doing it to me, and I was like, "Oh, are you trying to neg me right now?" So what do they say? They're like, oh, "Your hair looks weird." Like this, or, or they'll just like be like, "Nice shirt," and I'll be like, "Oh, I, are you trying to neg me? Is this like a flirtation?" thing yeah. you know and then like oh you know <laughs> <laughs> nobody everybody read the first five working. pages and didn't read the rest yeah we're sold <laughs> <laughs> the, the dyson vacuum the dyson vacuum really, yeah. Yeah. dyson is really Fumi wants yeah. shame on all of us <laughs> uh is what i say but okay we have uh, one final question um yeah, go for it cleopatra and mark antony had their own drinking club called Inimitable Livers, where they'd go on wine binges and have feasts. Tell us about a club you belong to or started. When I was in high school, there was a show called America's Best Dance Crew. I remember that it show. It was popping. It was all these dance crews from different parts of the country. They would dance and they would pick a winner. That's how the Jabberwockies got famous. And as like a Ohio kid watching this, again, the thing that sucks about growing up in the Midwest is like, nothing cool is there. All your parents' friends are like, teachers or like they work for Verizon Wireless or some bullshit like nobody's doing cool shit I didn't even know I don't even think anyone in my high school took hip-hop dance I don't even think I think it would be racist to take hip-hop dance in Ohio that's problematic <laughs> um, so I didn't even know people did stuff like that and I remember there were so many like Asian people dancing from <laughs> they're mainly Filipinos from UC Irvine but they were so good and I was like so inspired and then I like I was, I was in the marching band and so me and my, my friends were super into the show. All dudes, we stole these like big ass mirrors from the marching band because that's how we practiced <laughs> oh. marching band. Mm. And we made like a makeshift dance studio <laughs> in my friend's basement. Just like three boys, 14, 15 years old. And we would watch their YouTube videos. And like we had like a little dance club. We would like practice their moves oh, for no one. For no, And we thought we were so cool. We were like, dude. <laughs> We're like we're just like the Jabberwockies, man. This That's is so crazy. You never hit the talent show. No, we oh, were not good. Okay. We were self-aware. <laughs> okay. We were having a lot of fun. Did you ever try to film it and like watch it back and be like, "All right, this is where we." I think we like it's probably on somebody's like uh, what was it iBooks? Remember iBooks yeah. back in the day? It's probably yeah. on someone's like computer, maybe. But this is before the cloud existed, so I'm not really sure. But yeah, that was like we had like it was like, kind of like Fight Club, but dancing <laughs> in, in that you didn't talk about it and weren't allowed to yeah, yeah. because we were so ashamed but but we were having a lot of fun yeah That's so that would be fully viral now on tiktok oh if you yeah were high I remember, schoolers. so the the kids the basement that we were using is my friend kevin <laughs> his dad he's not like homophobic or anything but he, he just came down there one day he's like wait so you guys just like come down here and like dance that you just come down here every day after school and you dance and we're like yeah and they're like Okay, I guess that's my son and his friends. Like he was just so confused because he was just like a, you know, he's like Ohio State football fan, and that's like you know he right. kind of imagined his son like he's just making sure nothing nothing weird weird's going on down here. I actually think it would be more normal if you were fucking. That's way more normal than right. you coming down and we're all wearing masks and doing like a Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's way worse than being gay at the time. I think my mom asked my brother if I was a lesbian at one point in time just because I had a lot of girls sleeping over. Mm. I think just biggest immigrant fear, I guess. Yeah. I, I always uh, took that as a compliment when if I like hung out with like a, a, a girlfriend, 
we weren't like dating or anything, but I had a lot, a lot of female friends and like we'd hang out in the room or whatever. And then like they'd be like, Lauren, you gotta have the door open. And I'd be like, you don't understand, Mrs. McMahon. Like no, nobody's fucking me. But I, it's kind of like, like bartenders when, don't pay attention to me. Yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of like when you go to a hotel, it's like, do you want one key or two key? And you're like, oh, but you're like, nobody, nobody's fucking me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like a thank I you. I feel the but. same way when the Postmates person says, uh, would you like an extra set of silverware for all of this food you ordered? And I'm like, yes. You're like, I have a family. Yes, there is a family of five here. This is not all for me. <laughs> and you can order in bulk. You can want leftovers. You order in bulk. I, I order in bulk. Why is the I vibe do. Costco? What are you using DoorDash? I don't order in bulk, but I always, if I'm gonna pay the fees for like yes. a DoorDash, I might order something for like Couple later or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that will be. Too yeah, far. yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. your buck, I do that. You are always paying like an extra thirty or forty dollars. Oh, yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. Every time you get DoorDash, it's like at least thirty-five dollars. Yeah, and I, I once paid forty dollars for like a noodle bowl, and I got so mad because it wasn't good, Aww. and I just like it like ruined my day <laughs> because I was like, this was not a forty-dollar noodle. A day ruining event. A day ruining event yeah. it was like a bad forty-dollar noodle bowl. But I wanted to ask, in your business of music uh, major, mm-hmm. did you actually have to? have any musical abilities they did make us submit like a tape some sort of like a musical performance tape um because it was through the music school okay so they, i think they had to so do it was that. you and your friends dancing in the basement <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 we were doing the the pyt routine mm-hmm. if you guys remember chipmunks edition <laughs> yeah 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 we were doing that yeah, is there yeah, a yeah. future comedy music um you know people album? ask me that all the time but um i don't know i don't do you feel like you have a good voice? My voice is okay. I mean, it used to be a lot better when I would like sing more. It's you okay. Karaoke Bay. <laughs> I need to Can- practice. You know, I was actually thinking about taking vocal lessons because just for fun. Because yeah. my biggest struggle is like I want to sing all these songs, but they're too, they're too high for me. Mm. And it would just bring me so much joy to be able to sing Usher at a karaoke. <laughs> True, bring many people joy. I, yeah, I think that'd be fantastic for everybody involved. It is so. fun. I took voice lessons for a little while when I was in San Francisco because I was in the law firm band. Uh, There's a law firm band? Yeah. <laughs> you we, seem like a French horn vibe girl. <laughs> well, I was a jazz musician for 10, 15 years. Before I played jazz lawyer? drums. Yeah, jazz, yeah, drums. But I was you doing it while right I... right now? Yeah. But Wait, then you went to law school? No, I mean, I was doing it while I was in school. As I was a like, hobby? I was in the, as yeah, a hobby? Yeah. Bro, traditional? Yeah, you bet. What kind of set? Um, I had a pearl we set, love that. but yeah, we love a pearl. I was obsessed. Anyway, but the point is, what kind of sticks? I wanted the <laughs> sticks. I had a, some nice Vic Firth, and I loved plastic tips. I don't know how you feel about. Oh, those. I don't like plastic I tips. Know. Weird. I did like the plastic tips because I felt like you can hit. My opinion, the symbols and the hat, everything had a little bit more precision, a little bit more of a tactile. I liked them better. Is there a comedy drums album coming out? Can you imagine me just shouting jokes over a snare drum? I can very much imagine that. (laughs) Just a military. I I don't even have to stretch my brain to see it. (laughs) (laughs) When I think Christy, I think cacophony. (laughs) Um, The point, though, is the vocal lessons that I took and I was singing in the law firm band when we would play uh, for charity and do stuff like that and it was just like so nice to do something and be like this isn't my main hustle yeah yeah so i encourage you i think you should do it and now it's time for our final segment called dig deep cleopatra famously was played by elizabeth taylor in the 1963 film if your life were a episode of two television shows or films crossovered what would they be who's that one lady 
Who's that one lady? Who's that one lady? <laughs> She's in like everything. She's like old now. Meryl Streep. Yes. <laughs> I Meryl love Streep. that. Wow. You couldn't think Meryl Streep? I don't know their name. She looks to me, I can't tell the difference between her and the Titanic lady. I, Kate Winslet? I was going to, to say Kate Winslet they look or the same to me. Meryl Streep. That's very eerie to me. Yeah, that's yeah. they look related. or I wow. feel to me they are the same Are they in the well. same age bracket? or Not at all. Not at all? No. We're talking 10, 15 years or more than that. Yeah, I would say easily. Easily that? Easily. Yeah, her, because she's the best. She's the best. She's the GOAT. She's Oscar the winning goat. actress. Right, I, I think best. she would do a great job. So if your life were a crossover between two TV shows or films, what would they be? Rami and Boogie Nights. Wow. Oh. Boogie Nights. Okay. It's like emo, but horny. You know what I mean? You know, I would argue Rami is pretty horny as well. I'd argue yeah, that Rami is, like, is horny. Rami's like dark horny. Mine's yeah. like fun horny. Okay. You know? Yeah. The ancient Egyptians were buried with a lot of their treasures. What would you like to be buried <gasps> with? And oh also, what would you like your legacy to be? And or what would you like your epitaph to read? So many questions. In I one. know. I'm sorry. So sneaky. The three-parter. <laughs> I know. Yo, we got to get a big ass casting because my Prius is going in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Prius so oh. much. In fact, I love it so much. I recently bought like a, you know what? A, you know, you know this thing, the shift knob. Yeah. I like took it off and I got like a fast and fierce one. It's like this long. <laughs> and it's like metallic blue on a hybrid. Wow. <laughs> it's so slow. I, I love that car so much. Nobody's like, stolen your catalytic converter. No, I think it's uh, knock on wood, but I think okay. I have the model that's like harder to get okay, because good. it's like the smaller one mm. and it's like a newer model. As soon as I get like another writing job, I'm gonna buy rims for it. It's gonna be it's gonna be so tight. Um, Why don't you just get buried in your Prius? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's that cheaper. Just bury the Prius. Yeah, get, yeah. get a bulldozer and, and a Prius. Put me in there. <laughs> Driver's seat or in the back? Trunk. Trunk naked. <laughs> <laughs> Horny and fun. <laughs> yeah. So the harder um, question: What's your legacy? What do you want your epitaph to read? My legacy. <laughs> Fumiabe. He did his thing. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Love I'm just it. doing my thing, man. You know, I... Um, he was finally seen. He was finally <laughs> seen. I, I did this podcast recently where they focus on... We do this whole segment where we talk about your life and they try to figure out what your memoir is about and what it, what it should be called. My book, if I ever wrote a book, I think it would be like a guide to self-love because I hate myself so much. So it'd be like a guide to self-love. My title should be from the Grey's Anatomy meme. Um, you know the one that goes like, pick me, choose me, love me? You know that one? Yeah. So it'd be pick me, choose me, foo me. <laughs> so maybe that that's so cute <laughs> yeah it'd be a cute little tomb i love that fumi that's the end of the episode i cannot thank you enough for being here you're wow. amazing and so, so fun to talk to where can people find you what's coming down the pipeline in yeah. 2024 for you thank you for having me please find me on all the socials at the fumi abe that's t-h-e-f-u-m-i-a-b-e i post clips and shit so check it out Check out my podcast, Cash Cuties. We look at our friends' credit card statements and judge their spending habits with love. <laughs> and I'm also on tour. Uh, you can go to fumiabe.com for tickets and see where I'm going. But Irvine, California, January 10th. Dallas, Texas, March 22, 22nd. Sorry, 22, 23rd. And then other stuff happening. But just go to my website. Fumiabe. Check him out. We'll put his stuff in the show notes. We appreciate you for joining us for yet another episode. I've been Christy Bonna. I'm Lynn Molly. And I've been Fumi Abe. Please like, rate, subscribe, do all those things if you like us, show us some love. And until the next time, this has been Cleopatra. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>